So we're kicking off the month of prayer and fasting. Exciting month. And I want to encourage you today, before you leave, if you didn't get one on the way in, make sure you grab one of these prayer and fasting guides to kind of bring us all together, what we're praying for together, and to help give you some steps on praying and fasting. They'll also go out by email this week. But we want to encourage you and invite you, and I'm going to talk more about that this morning, to be a part of this month of prayer and fasting. And, you know, January uh, is the month on our calendar where we reset our year. And really, it's a way for us, it's a mental way for us, but also a spiritual time and season for us to begin our year by putting the Lord first. And that's why we do this month of prayer and fasting. We sometimes do different days of prayer and fasting or uh, lengths of fasting. But this time, we're, we're just going to have a month of emphasis on prayer and fasting. And it's important for us as a church to remember the, uh, uh, why we practice praying and fasting because oftentimes, like many things in our life, if we don't go back and review why we pray and why we fast, it becomes this rote habit that loses its meaning. And it becomes something we just do just because that's what we do at church on Sunday mornings or that's just because what we do at prayer meeting. But we have to remember that praying and fasting is something that Jesus modeled for us and instructed us to do. And it is an important way for us to mold our spiritual lives. And I want to encourage you and invite you this year, maybe challenge you, if you've never been a part of prayer meeting, try, try to make it and join us for one prayer meeting night. There's, there's something about when God brings our church together to pray that it is really important that we all share the same mindset. And you're going to see that, what we're going to talk about today, that there is something to be said about unity and praying and fasting. And so when the church comes together at an appointed time and an appointed season to pray or fast, God honors that. God honors a church that says we join together as one body, as one group of people to say we are going to come to the Father. That was exactly the story of the early churches. They gathered to pray. The Bible said they were in one mind, in one accord. And so I want to encourage you, invite you to be with us for prayer meeting. As we talk about this year, well, the one thing that I can't help to think about every time I think about the reset of the year is the future. I always think about what's the future going to be like? What's the future of this year going to be like? Uh, some years ago, if you go back and you see this uh, DeLorean that got a time machine on it, they thought the future was going to look one way and back to the future, and they discovered that the future, actually, we discovered, maybe didn't look exactly like they thought. Maybe they had a few things in mind, uh, but some things still haven't lined up exactly as they thought. The future is unpredictable. And that's the hardest part about life, I believe, is that there is an unpredictable nature about future. None of us are promised tomorrow. We're promised this very moment. And the Bible teaches us and warns, and James warns about that as well, about making plans for tomorrow as if we just expect it's going to happen. The Bible says we ought to pray if the Lord wills for tomorrow. We don't know who, what holds tomorrow, but what will come tomorrow, but we know who holds tomorrow. And so our faith is not to be in the future. Our faith is to be in the one who holds the future. And this is a practice for us in living life. And whatever may come this year, this might be a very difficult year for some people. This might be a great year for some people. But the fact matters is the Bible teaches us in Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whatever the events of this year may be, 
whatever crises, whatever pandemics or whatever variants or whatever things, uh, tragedies that happen in our lives, the same thing matters is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even though life may change this year and life may adjust this year, Jesus doesn't. He stays the same. And so our faith is in the one who is unchanging and unwavering. And it's almost a kind of ironic that sometimes we put our faith in the things of this world because it changes so much, but we have such a hard time putting our faith in Jesus who never changes. It's, it's kind of contra contradictory thinking in a way that we put our faith in these things that shift and move and constantly change instead of completely relying our faith in Jesus. And so this morning I want to talk to you as we anticipate the future, as we anticipate what God is going to do at All Nations Church. I have such great expectancy for what God is wanting to do, what God wants to do for our congregation, what God wants to do in the life of our church. I just believe that what, the way God worked in 2021 and prayer meetings and Sunday services and outreach, I have great expectancy for what God wants to do. I have great expectancy that God wants to reach many people. God wants to encourage many people, save many people, and make the gospel known in all of our community. And part of that is because of the way that we fast and pray. And this morning I want to talk to you about fasting for the future. Fasting for the future. And we're going to look at the story of someone in the Bible who learned this principle, who learned how to fast for the future. And that was the story of Esther. Esther's story is so encouraging to me. And Esther's just ten chapters in the Old Testament while they were living in the Persian Empire. And here is the story of Esther, an orphan, a Jew, in a land that was not her own, living with her cousin Mordecai. And here they were in a place that was unfamiliar and strange and different, a place that was unwelcoming, a place that wanted to annihilate the, all of those people, all of the Jews. It was a difficult place. It was a challenging place. But Esther grew up in this place and decided that when it came time that the king was looking for a queen, that she would make herself a prospect. And as the story goes, you can read all about that some, sometime. The Bible goes in, uh, shows us that Esther found favor with the king. And she became the queen. Of course, there's a lot more to that story as you'd like to read in the beginning chapters of Esther. But it came time that when Esther was serving as queen, her cousin Mordecai had found out about a plot that had came from this one that Esther said was a wicked Haman. And he had a plot to wipe out all of the Jews, to completely annihilate them from the Persian Empire. And Mordecai found out about this, and it's a really amazing story, actually, how things just completely go in this story. How Mordecai found out about this, and he went to the king's courts, where he was not really supposed to go, where he was not welcome. And when he found out about this, the Bible said, with great mourning and weeping, he put sackcloth on, which was a way of showing grief. And he ran in and went fasting and sat in the king's courts, wailing and making all kinds of noise in the king's court about what, it, what was going on. And Mordecai knew he was not supposed to be there, but he went there anyways. Esther heard about what Mordecai was doing, and I guess she kind of panicked a little bit. And she ran down, and they began to have a conversation about what was getting ready to take place. 
And as they begin to discuss, they found out Esther wasn't aware. Haman had this plot in mind. He was already getting things ready. He was beginning to make gallows so that he could hang Mordecai. It was just beginning to really unfold. And, and, Mor and Haman was dedicated to this plot. And not only Haman, the Bible says his wife was involved as well. And things were just really looking bad for the Jews. And of course, Esther could have thought, well, this could be me as well. And so we're going to read here and pick up in Esther chapter 4. And we're going to read in verse 14. And we're going to pick up where Mordecai and Esther are having a conversation. And Mordecai is trying to convince Esther to do something about this. And he's, he says to her, For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will, rely, will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Probably the most famous verse in all of Esther. Perhaps you've come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. And watch what Esther does is this. This is Esther's response, a God-fearing Jew. And then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. And after that, I will go to the king. And though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish, Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered them. And what Esther is talking about here when she says, uh, if I perish, the queen was not permitted into the, the, the presence of the king without the permission of the king uh, calling for her. And so Esther said, before I do anything rash, before I make any kind of hasty decisions, let me fast and pray about it first. Let me take time, and we're all going to, as all the Jews together, we're going to set aside a time of a corporate time of fasting to seek the Lord before we do anything. And then she said, if I perish, I perish. Famous lines from Esther. Fasting is a principle we don't preach about often, but it is a spiritual discipline of the faith that is an important spiritual discipline in our lives. Now, I understand as I'm talking about fasting today that some people can't fast because of medical reasons or workplace reasons, and that's, uh, that's understandable. And I, hear you, I want you to hear me today. God is not ordering you to fast. That's called legalism. God understands your heart. God understands exactly every situation. And perhaps instead of fasting, maybe you could find times of prayer to be more accommodating for those who can't fast. It's in everybody's heart how they fast and how they pray. It's in each and every person's how they decide between you and the Lord. But fasting is the, something that is taught in the Old Testament, is practiced by the Jews in the Old Testament, and it's picked up in the New Testament. And as a matter of fact, when Jesus begins to teach about fasting in the New Testament, He doesn't even really tell them to fast. He says, when you fast, He just kind of assumed. He almost made it like an assumption. When you fast, and as He teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, when you fast, He begins to just kind of put out fasting as if nothing had changed, just continuing fasting. As, king, as children of the kingdom of God, we're just going to keep fasting as we ought. And this is a practice that has continued to be shared throughout the New Testament as we read about fasting. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 4. We see fasting over and over again throughout the New Testament. And fasting was a way 
of depending on the Lord for their sustenance. Instead of depending on food, and we're going to talk more about this thing in this a little bit deeper in a few moments, but it teaches us to depend on the Lord. And the same thing with prayer. This prayer and fasting are very similar because it teaches us dependency upon the Lord, but they are spiritual disciplines that we ought to practice in our life, all of us, and, and if we can. And I've often found fasting to be one of those things that is very difficult but very rewarding. I've often found that fasting is one of those practices in the Bible that when God calls, I've had seasons in my life where I just felt like God would just kind of tap me on the shoulder. Charlie, you need to fast about this. You need to just do even more than praying. Just fast about this. And I found that in those seasons, that sometimes what I was looking for, the answer or the prayer that I was praying, became a lot more clear. And you're going to see that to be true even in the practices of fasting through Esther. When God's people submitted themselves to Him in true humility through fasting, God set in motion His infinite power to bring about His will. And we see this here so in the story of Esther. Now, if you remember, there's a famous verse we often say. We, we say it on National Day of Prayer. We say it in famous times of prayer in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. You'll notice that what Esther does is she puts that verse into practice. She doesn't even quote it at any time. And this Esther story would have came after that verse would have been wrote down or spoken at any time. But she puts that in practice in her life and how she lives her life. That here is a time and they don't know what's coming up. They are in a crisis. Sound familiar? They don't know what the future is going to look like. All they know is there's a death sentence over their lives. All they know is that what's up ahead is danger. What's up ahead is really bad for all of us. And Esther knows that this is a risk to even my own future, my own career, not just my people. I could walk into the presence of the king and he could kill me on the spot. Esther knew that. But Esther also knew that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. And so Esther demonstrated enough faith in praying and fasting that she was willing to even at this point say, if I perish, I perish. Because her faith demonstrated in this story, as we're going to see, was in the Lord alone and not in the king. And so a few things I want to show you about this as Esther fast. Esther, in this famous verse here, in verse 14, Mordecai says to Esther, perhaps you have come to the royal dignity for just such a time as this. For just such a time as this. This is an important part about fasting and praying. I hope today we'll take this to heart. Is fasting and praying take survey of the place we are in. It acknowledges this is the land we're living in. And it acknowledges that fasting and praying is for this moment, for now, and for the future. Fasting recognizes that we have been placed in our unique situations by divine providence. And we have been placed there and we could perhaps be the agents of change through fasting and prayer. Not because of us, we can't change anything, but if my people who are called by my name, then God will hear from heaven. 
Fasting recognizes that all of us in our unique situations in life, in the crisis that we're living in, in our world now, recognizes that we have been placed here for such a time as this. We weren't born a, a, a 200 years ago. We weren't placed in that century. We weren't placed 300 years ago. We're not placed in the 400 years ahead of us, Lord willing to be. We are placed here right now for such a time as this. And some of this comes down to we could be like Esther and we could fast and pray and make a difference through our fasting and praying. Or we could be the type of people who settle for the status quo and just accept this is the way it's going to be and just give up. And I've come to realize that one of the things that frustrates me the most in my own spiritual life is when there's this little thing that settles in there and it's called status quo. I can't stand it when it gets in there. And it's this thing I've noticed that happens sometimes. It happens in my spiritual life. It happens in everybody's spiritual life where we just kind of get content where we're at. And I've noticed that when we get a little content where we're at, what happens is we go from the verge of approaching lukewarm. And we become water that Jesus said, I want to spew out of our, his mouth. And it becomes the place where I just get settled and content in my spiritual life. I'm not concerned about growing anymore. I'm not concerned about being all that God wants me to be. I'm not concerned about accomplishing the purposes that God has for me. But listen, God intended us, you and I, in our spiritual lives to go from glory to glory, faith to faith. And faith recognizes I have been placed here for such a time as this. And even though it looks this way and appears this way, they're going to wipe out and annihilate all the Jews... Esther could have said, so it's going to be. Haman's more powerful than me. But Esther said, no, let's fast. Let's pray. And that's what fasting and praying does is it refuses to acknowledge that, or it accepts to acknowledge that sometimes there are spiritual circumstances that have to be overcome through fasting and praying. And this was the same situation the disciples dealt with when they went to cast out a demon of a demon possessment. They couldn't do it in their own strength. And Jesus came back and they asked him, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus said to them, some things come only by praying. And some translations add, and fasting, by fasting and praying. They realized that sometimes in our world, and Paul acknowledges this at great lengths in Ephesians chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that we are not a fight against flesh and blood. The battle in our life is not with one another. The battle that we're going against is not against this thing or that thing. The battle in life that you and I in our spiritual life, the Bible says, is rulers and wicked in wicked places. It's spiritual forces of evil. And that's what Esther realized what she was up against. She realized that we are living in a land not their own. And they realized that they could rely on God for their safety and provision. And when spiritual forces of evil begin to press in and begin to come against them, Esther knew that God's unseen forces could be the only thing that could overthrow any type of evil. And this should be a practice for us this year. That whatever crisis may come, whatever obstacle may come, whatever tragedy, whatever situation, whatever happens in our world, Lord willing, that tomorrow shall come. Whatever it may be, that you and I have a heart that says we do not put our trust in just the way things are. We put our trust in the God who can change things the way they are. God is the God of transforming. God is the God almighty and powerful. If God could rescue my life and transform my life and your life, then surely he can change things through our fasting and praying as you and I commit ourselves to him. You'll notice that a common thread among those in scripture who fasted, 
Look at Esther. Think about Daniel. We talk about the Daniel fast. Daniel was living in a foreign land, at a foreign place. He was not welcome there, but Daniel fasted. Nehemiah went back to a place where he was not welcome. He was facing obstacle after obstacle. You'll notice that there was a thread. All of them faced giants that were bigger than themselves. All of them faced absolute wickedness in the land. Their lives were put at danger. As a matter of fact, Daniel was thrown in a lion's den. Nehemiah, once again, they came at them ready to kill them all. But notice that what they did when they were faced with insurmountable odds, when the odds were absolutely stacked against them, they did not just sit back and say, so it be. We're just going to settle here. We're just going to accept the status quo. You'll notice that what they did, they fasted and they prayed. And when they fasted and prayed, God came through and worked on their behalf. And what a model for you and I that when it seems like evil has overtaken us and overcome us, you and I have the promise of the word of God that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. What an amazing model for us that whatever odds come up this year, whatever crisis, whatever variance, whatever thing that is behold us, you and I, we have this hope that I can call upon the Lord and He hears me when I call. This is the verse that we're talking about this month. In Jeremiah 33 and 3, it's on the back of your fasting guide. A verse I hope would take to heart. Call to me and I'll answer you. I'll tell you wonderful and marvelous things that you know nothing about. The truth is, is that God promises that if we'll call, He will tell. That if we'll seek Him, we will find Him. If we'll open up our hearts to Him, He will respond. And it's an amazing principle for this year that you and I, for such a time as this, right now today, not tomorrow, right now today, have been put here to make a difference, to change, to call upon the Lord in fasting and praying. This could be a reminder for you, for those of you who are praying for family members who are away from the Lord. This could be a reminder of you who have got just bad news that's just been over your life for years. This could be the reminder that if you'll trust the Lord in fasting and praying, don't lose heart. Keep calling upon the Lord. God granted them favor because of their fasting. I love the amazing thing about Esther's story is that Esther fasts. There was three days of fasting. Esther goes back goes into the king. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But this, this kind of comical thing plays out here. Is Haman walks up to the palace. And outside of the palace, after these three days of fasting and praying, is Mordecai. And I love that the Bible put, I love the details the Bible puts in there sometimes. This one just, it made me laugh as I read it. You know, Haman, he's full of a wicked plan. But here comes Haman and he sees Mordecai. The Bible tells us that when he saw Mordecai and Mordecai saw him, as outside of the king's courts, the Bible said that Mordecai, he did not even get up and he didn't even tremble. I love that about that. I love that the Bible put that detail because it was after they had fasted and prayed. Three days, the people gathered together and prayed. In all the stories, of course, Mordecai, an ancestor of the great faith of the people before them, could tell them, listen, when God's people pray, I know what happens. And he didn't even get up. He didn't even stand up. There was no fear in him whatsoever. He just had enough faith to say, I can stay sitting here because I know when God's people pray, God answers and works on their behalf for such a time as this. The second thing I want to point out to you, and what a great practice for us as we're fasting for the future, is the Bible teaches us that as Esther went in and she prayed and she fasted, the Bible says that she called for them all to fast. She said, after that... 
Such important words. After that, after all the people have fasted and prayed for three days, after there's been this time of corporate fasting and praying, after that, I will go to the king. And this should be a practice for us this year. And whatever decisions we have to make, pray before we proceed. Pray before we proceed. Whatever decisions are up ahead this year, whatever big things we've got to do, whatever things might come up before us, pray before we proceed. Esther fasted before she acted. Esther learned that if there was going to be any decision to be made, it first had to be made in fasting and praying. Esther learned that if I'm going to do anything with my life and I'm going to make a decision that's going to affect my future and my purpose, I first have to fast and pray about it. And this is such an important principle for every believer here today. It doesn't matter how, how spiritual you consider yourself to be. May all of us this year, whatever we do, in all that we say and do, may before we make any hasty decisions, may we fast and pray about it. Whatever it might be. Maybe God is calling you and working in your life and you just need that confirmation about something. And you say, God, I just really need clarity. Maybe you fast about it. Maybe God is speaking to you about something and has been trying to get your attention and you just need to fast and pray about it to get a better understanding. Or maybe you're just ready to make a decision right now and can I just plead with you, stop. Before you make any decision that's going to direct the course of your life, pray about it, fast about it. Call, invite the Lord to seek, to come into your situation and guide you in whatever you do. If he could do it for Esther, he could do it for you and I. Pray before proceeding. And the last thing I want to point out to you here as we're talking about fasting for the future is the Bible teaches us here that they went in and they fasted and they neither ate nor drank for three days. Now this is, a, this is what is called an absolute fast. And, and I wouldn't recommend that unless you absolutely have a call from the Lord to do that. Without food or water for three days can really hurt your body unless you have a spiritual call from the Lord to do that. But Esther did that as a way of humbling themselves before the Lord. And fasting and prayer is how you and I dethrone the God of self. And boy, is that a rampant today. Philippians chapter 3, the Bible, Paul is talking about some people, and he talks about these people who are going in a different direction. They're running for a different prize, and he says, their end is destruction, and their God is the belly. And their glory is in their shame, and their minds are set on earthly things. And fasting is praying is how you and I take ourselves off of the throne of life and acknowledge that God is the sustenance and strength of my life. When you are putting away something or food or something, a meal, and you're taking time to say, Lord, boy, if you've ever, if you've ever done a three-day fast and you're kind of at that lunch on the third-day fast and you're kind of like, whoo, Lord, I need some help. There's something about that that honors the Lord because what you're doing is you're acknowledging that, Lord, I need strength that is not my own. I need help that is not my own. I've been going around about life always depending and just going about as if I didn't need you. But fasting teaches us and reminds us that sometimes our God can become our belly. And what Paul is really saying to them is that sometimes we indulge ourselves not just with food but with life. We have this consumeristic mindset constantly feeding self. And fasting teaches us to deny ourselves and trust in the Lord in all that we say and do. It's a way of saying, Charlie is not in charge of my life. King Jesus is in charge of my life. 
Fasting and prayer must forever, as we fast this year, whatever we do, if God leads you to do that, it must forever center on God. It must be God-initiated and God-ordained. Sometimes we might fast for the wrong reason, physical benefits, success in prayer, or in doing with power, spiritual insights, but these must never replace God as the center of our fasting. There are things that come along with fasting, but as we fast, may it never be for the wrong reasons, because you can't fast for the wrong reasons. That's what happened to the Pharisees. The Bible said they went in and they fasted before all the people. They made lots of noise and pointed out, we are fasting, pointed their finger to themselves, and Jesus said, you know what? That's their reward. What a lousy reward that was. And fasting and praying is you and I, in humility, we're humbling ourselves. Fasting and praying is not proud praying. This is a new term I've come up with uh, just recently. And I, I kind of have noticed it as thing, and sometimes it happens in our life. Proud praying. And proud praying is this, is when you and I approach God as if we are demanding something from Him instead of coming to God in humility, submitting to Him. And a lot of people do this when they pray. God, do this for me right now. Come do this on my behalf. But listen, God is not our servant. We are king, we are servants of the Most High God, you and I. And God is Almighty. He created the heavens and the earth. And yes, He's our Father, but yes, He is still God Almighty. And you and I have to approach His throne with reverence and all and knowing that He's not a king that I demand something, something from. He is a king I humbly submit to and whatever He might want. We humble ourselves and we pray when we come to the Father. And fasting, there's no better way to learn humility than through fasting. When you're out of strength, when you're out of energy, and you just learn a little bit less of myself is maybe better for my life. Thank you, Lord, for emptying me of me. Humble ourselves before the Lord. And as they fasted and prayed, as Esther fasted and prayed, as the people fasted and prayed, it'd be one thing if we left the story there. It'd be one thing if they fasted and prayed, and that was the end of the story. But the truth is, is that they fasted and prayed. They called upon the Lord. They joined together corporately for three days, and God heard their request. And God heard their request in such a way that he took care of Haman's plot. And not only that, there's just kind of the cherry on the top of the story. That although Haman had this plot, God had a plan. And God's plan acknowledged that even when evil prevails, God has a plan that prevails greater than that. And here was Haman, who was a great ruler at the time in Persia. His life was taken away from him, and Mordecai was put in charge in his place. And doesn't God have a way of working things out? And sometimes it's in ways that we might not expect or think. And as you and I this month in prayer and fasting as the musicians come, as we fast and pray, Whatever it may be, we just submit to the Lord. We just humble ourselves to God's plan this year. We trust God. Listen, God is almighty and sovereign in all of his ways, and he knows what's best for us. And we pray and we fast and we believe that God's going to work, and we just believe God's plan is going to work, and his purpose will prevail. And I was, I was reflecting on the last day of the year as my wife and I, as we prayed, just thanking God for this, year, this past year, I, I noticed that one of the things I began to thank God for, oh Lord, thank you for answering that prayer, I noticed that it wasn't a prayer, it wasn't the way, God didn't answer the prayer the way that I thought he would answer it. Instead, it was a different prayer. It was a different answer. 
And I thought to myself as I went back and to thank the Lord and answering that prayer, I thought, Lord, you know, I prayed for one thing, but you answered it a different way. And could it be, Lord, that that's what's best? That even in my praying, that sometimes we, you and I, we pray blind because we don't know the future. But when God, when God hears us, He sees it in the, in the view of the future up ahead. And God answered it in just the way it needed to be answered. And whatever happens this year, may we have the hope that God is able to work it out in His way, in His time, with the right people at the right place. And you and I, I want to encourage you, fast for the future. Pray for the future. Maybe you can't fast. Uh, that's understandable. Pray for the future. Just pray. Call upon the Lord. You might say to me, Charlie, I don't know how to pray. I just, I find myself going to times of prayer and I don't know what to say. Don't we all? Don't we all? It's like when you're on a conversation with somebody and you just run out of things to talk about. Listen, praying sometimes is difficult. Praying sometimes is challenging. But there are many different ways you and I can pray. We go to the Lord. We pray through the Psalms. We pray what's going on in our lives. We pray and thank God in worship. There's so many different ways that God invites us to pray and fast. But this year, whatever the future may hold, you and I, we can fast and pray about it. Whatever's going to happen at All Nations Church, whatever God's going to do this year, we're going to fast and pray about it. We're not just going to settle for the status quo. This is the way things ought to be. This is the way. No, we're going to fast and pray and believe that with God, the best is yet to come. With God, the best is yet to come. Will you stand with me this morning? And before the choir comes, we're going to do something a little different this morning. We make this a practice in our nights of prayer meeting. And so, as just in the spirit of prayer meeting, we're going to continue something tonight or this morning. And I want to encourage you, if you wouldn't mind, the person maybe that you came with this morning or the person closest to you, if you just go over to them and ask them, how can I pray for you this morning? How can I pray for you for this year? Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, and maybe, maybe you say to that person, it's a lot but just pray for me. That's okay. And can we just, in, in praying for one another, as the Bible teaches us, the Bible showed us through Esther, they corporately agreed together. There was a unity among them. And you and I, can we agree together that whatever that person needs beside you, two or three, they're just going to agree together and we're going to pray for one another. Just call upon the Lord. Ask that person, how can I pray for you this year? And in the best way you know possible, just pray for them. Like that's your own brother, sister, spouse, whatever it may be. Just pray over them. So let's do it. Just take a moment here before the choir comes. Just pray for the person beside you today.